Let me see you put them up Reach the sky, touch the stars up above Cause it's one time for the underdog One time for the underdog How often do you hear stories of immigrants that come to America and all of a sudden they go from having nothing to suddenly becoming multimillionaires? Well, today's sit-down with Sean Conlon, who has his own reality TV show all over television. He runs it in Chicago. He talks about how he went from being a janitor to all of a sudden become a multimillionaire in real estate. We are here with Sean Conlon, the, the host of The Deed, and uh, also a very, obviously, well-known for your real estate mogul with things, you, which I cannot wait, wait to talk to you about and figure out a little bit more about your background. Uh, good, good to have Thank you with you. us, man. Thank really you. Lovely great. to be here, obviously. Good, good I'm to be in your nice home you have here. You're very complimentary. Thank Chicago. you, but uh, it's an old house, but I like it. It's, it's very pretty. It's a beautiful place. Beautiful place. So, so, you're an immigrant. You came here from, you know, a similar yes. place where Conor McGregor is from. And so, <laughs> I, I, I want to know a little bit more about your support for him or not. Well, first, uh, let's go with your story. Okay, well, firstly, obviously, you're an immigrant too, so yes. you'll understand my story. It's what makes America great, still. Um, I am from the same place as Conor McGregor without the uh, fighting ability. Uh, I'd like to think I dress a little better also, sure. but obviously he's an incredible talent. Yeah, I come from Ireland. Okay. Uh, I immigrated to America in 1990. Uh, I'm that generation as your parents were, that America is the place you can be anything you want. I still believe that. It ebbs and flows once in a while, but generally speaking, you can be anything you want. And, uh, I rocked up to America in 1990 and I worked as a janitor. Actually, I'm embellishing my resume. I was actually the assistant to the janitor. The assistant janitor. Yeah, and I was terrible. I was really bad at janitoring. And I started selling real estate in 1993 and the rest is kind of my story. Wow. So what month in 1990, by the way, I'm curious. Uh, I think the end of September, guessing roughly, if I remember correctly, was so September. So I came November 28, 1990. Seriously, so I, wow. I lived in Iran for 10 years, two years in Germany at a refugee camp, and in November 28, 1990, I came here. America. Yeah, so I was listening to your story. I'm like, <laughs> 1990's a magical year. And I obviously read your story, and again, it's what makes America inspiring, no, right? No doubt about it. So how did you get into real estate? How did that whole uh, you know, process take place for you? So I, when I was working as the uh, part-time assistant janitor, whatever mm -hmm. I was, uh, I wasn't very good at it. Uh, I always had a passion for real estate. Growing up in Ireland, uh, a lot of people don't know, but historically, till the late 1800s, Irish Catholics were not allowed to own real estate. So we have this obsession about owning property. So I was always fascinated by real estate and my dad would drive me by with a friend to look at these big old beautiful castles and I was just fascinated by them. So I decided I would sell real estate part time and I was really not good at it. And I cold called, I would go in every night after work as a janitor and sit down and cold call people. And I had a funny accent. I don't know, I might still have a bit of an accent, but they would be like, honey, that guy who sounds like Lucky Charms is on the phone again. <laughs> and I would religiously call these people. And for six months, I didn't sell anything. And I nearly gave up every day. Six months? Yeah, nearly gave up wow. every day. I never really gave up. Because I'd get up the next day, I'm like, this is the day. And you know what? One day it was. I mean, I did a $20,000 deal. I called a for sale by owner. And by the end of the 90s, I was selling nearly $200 million a year. 
All by yourself. All by myself. Yeah, I said back when million dollar listings were not shows, I probably they said sold more real estate than anybody in North America in the late nineties. They said you're the godfather of uh, condos. No one <laughs> sold more condos than yeah. you in America. So. Uh, in Chicago, being the godfather of anything is a dubious honor, but I'll take That's it. That's right. That's <laughs> right. I'm with you. So, so you're full time doing your assistant janitor work. Yes. So it's like a nine to five job you have. So it was like actually probably eight a.m. to like closer to six. Then I would get in, and back before I knew what like moisturizer was or face wash, I would clean the paint off me with paint thinner, which wow. is a petroleum-based thing. So it's get in the office all blotchy red and start cold calling with my little headset. <laughs> and so one of the things I saw you said, which I thought was fascinating, is you said you loved Saturdays yes. and Sundays because you could work from 9 to 10. In the real estate office. I, again, I, I would say there's, there's, there is no magic, right? So I just work really hard. And, you know, of course there's serendipity and luck involved in some things. I can't place where it came in for me in the 90s. I've subsequently seen all sorts of luck, and a lot of it was bad, but some of it was very good. In the 90s, I, I didn't get lucky, I really just worked very hard. Uh, but yes, yeah, Saturdays and Sundays, I could drive around to open houses and deny all the real brokers by asking stupid questions. They say there are no stupid questions, I invented a whole load of them in the 90s. <laughs> That's great. So you, obviously you have the work ethic, I mean, you, you yes. have the work yes. ethic. And and where did that work ethic come from? Is that, did you have an example where you watching your dad? Uh, it's interesting. So my, my father was the most charismatic man in the world and the most wonderful dreamer in the world. So as an inspiration, he was everything. Uh, he was everything that inspired me, except he was a horrendous businessman. Everything he touched turned to dust. Really? So yeah. he actually started businesses. L little business, out. every one of them failed. Wow, he okay. sold Amway. I mean, there wasn't... In Ireland. Yeah, I mean, God, he, he was... But he was a dreamer. <laughs> and he poured all of his belief, even though there was five kids, he poured all of his belief into me that I was going to be the one. Now, my mother, no nonsense, two jobs, school teacher, raised five kids in a small house. I mean, so I got my mother's angry work ethic and obviously she's an incredible woman and I got my father's charm and charisma and America was made for that at the time. <laughs> so you came here by yourself? I came by myself. I had a four to fifth. One day you just said I'm coming out here? What, what was the transition for you? So I, I dropped out of college in Ireland and went to work in London mm -hmm. and I worked actually at Lehman Brothers in London. Uh, it's not my fault. I didn't yeah, break the company. Yeah. I, I didn't create the <laughs> issues. And I had a very non-important job there. And then I loaded mail trains at night in London. But I'm standing on the train platform one day and I'm like, I'm going to be average the rest of my life. And there was a news headline about something the SAS had done. You remember that moment? Yeah, I do. And uh, lots of moments you reinvent, but this one I can remember to this day. I was standing in Paddington Station and there was a news headline on one of the tabloids. And the SAS's motto is, fortune favors the brave, right? That's their motto. I'm standing watching this platform coming home from another average day in my average life thinking, I'm going to be average the rest of my life if I don't do something that scares me and puts me out of my comfort zone. So we had distant cousins here who had come to visit us. And I said, can I come over? And they're like, yeah, boom, I came to America. Is, is that Don Donovan? Yes, Don yes. And the, yeah, and the yeah. cool thing is, the Donovans are fantastic and to this day, and they did give me an opportunity. 
to be an assistant janitor, but they gave me an opportunity. I make fun of it, but they did. And what's super cool is his son and the grandson of the guy who gave me my first job works for me at my real estate merchant bank Today. now as a real estate analyst. Wow. They're basically their grand. So that continues. So you're Full circle. Back, right. Yeah, exactly. Absolutely. I'm giving back. So did, did you go back? I mean, how often have you gone back and visited family? Well, so the, the, the interesting thing initially was like for four or five years, I, I, I didn't get to go back. I didn't have enough money and I was figuring mm -hmm. out paperwork and all the usual stuff. And, uh, and by the way, everybody's back there. No one came with you. Uh, yeah, so subsequently, my brother Kieran has come to work okay. with me, and my sister was out here. But my mom and them are back there. But my dad, the first thing I ever did, I've done a lot of amazing things since, and I've had dinner with kings and princes and traveled around the world and flown on the Concorde, but none of those things, they all pale in comparison to. In 95, I saved up the bit of extra money I had, and I went home. And my dad used to walk me by the Mercedes dealership and we'd look in the window and we'd, he'd explain to, the car, to me what the car was and somebody really rich was getting that. I bought him a Mercedes wow. for Christmas. Coolest thing I've ever done. Did you surprise him or did you take Surpri him? I mean, I, we went up and we looked at it and it was a surprise, but it was cool. I mean, he died very young. He died in 2000, but he lived long enough to see me do everything he ever dreamed of and then some. So that's the coolest thing I've ever done in my life, bar none. There's nothing even the touches it. Like that, that, yeah. uh, just, just three months ago, I bought my dad a Mercedes. Okay, and for so him, he wouldn't lend me. He had a 1970. And he's Mercedes. still around. He's still around. Cool. Yeah, he's still yeah. around. So it's, it's, uh, and it's how, how many an of you came over? Say how many of you came over when you came? So when I came, we went from Iran to Germany. I lived there yep. a couple of years. My parents got a divorce. So my dad came to Chicago first. He lived here for a couple of years. Okay. And then we came with my mom and my sister. Okay. And we moved to LA. Cool. So yeah. Cool. But, but the, the power of immigrants, man, when they come here <laughs> with the fire that, you know, you have to. Now, when you were living in Ireland, what was, like, how was America viewed when you were there? That's what, a, was it the, was it like? It's I, a great question. America, I mean, you know, we're not going to touch politics right now, but America is great, doesn't need to be made great again. Of course it has all of its problems, but there's nowhere in the world, there's nowhere in the world that has a more level playing field still. There's nowhere in the world you can do the things you can do. Growing up in Ireland, we were raised on America. I wanted to be John Wayne, Harry Grant, Clint Eastwood, everything was America. America in your mind was that promised land where you could be anything, right? You could be anything in it. The local library complained to my mother once when I was 12, I was reading too many books, right? It's great, I read too many books about art and houses and falconry. But one thing I really read a lot about was, I read about Andrew Carnegie. I read about Rockefeller. In yeah. In, in the library. Wow. I wanted these and books. I'm, 12 years old. Yeah, 12, I'm 12, 13, 14. I read these Why books. Why was it? Now, let me ask you, was it because your dad would say, look at this, y'all, look at this? Because you Bingo. said something. Bingo. So my, your dad was getting your dream machine yeah, going yeah, my, at that age. Yeah, yeah, my dad, but he didn't know. He, he wasn't doing intention. He's like, come here, Shawnee, look at this. And he called me Shawnee. He's like, come here, Shawnee, look at this. He's like, look at that book. That's an American guy has that. And anytime anything was big or amazing, my father would be like, that's America. So cool. it was in my mind. So it shows you the impact you can have on kids sure. and children with the right positive message. And reading. I still tell people, you need to read. Would your dad tell you to read? Would no, no. My mom would tell me. Yeah, my mom would tell me. But ironically, my dad, who dropped out of school at 12, my mom was very well educated. My dad, who dropped out of school at 12, 
read the paper from cover to cover every day. day. Yeah, wow. and he could tell you everything about America, everything. And so internally, he dreamt of coming to America and was scared. And he nearly came once, and the guy was coming to, interestingly enough, got killed in some sort of mob hit in New York, I kid you not. And my dad, I fulfilled his dream. And he eventually came here, and I lived in this, this is a modest place now. I lived in the, I was like a guy who'd won the Powerball lottery. When my dad showed up, I was living in a 7,000 square foot house. I mean, there was so many floors in the thing. Wow. Yeah. So and he vicariously lived through his son. Yeah. Which that means he's yeah. still living because yeah. that spirit yeah. is still there. Well, we have, a, yeah, I have a spirit. And so do my siblings. I have an amazing family. That's so, so cool. Yeah. yeah, it sounds like it from what yeah. you And by the way, your mom sounds like... She's uh, awesome. The way you describe your mom, she sounds like the strong. When you see her speak, she's, she seems very strong. Manny, so. She's not into stuff. Many, many years ago, I was showing off to my mother, and I landed in the lawn of our modest house in a black helicopter. She didn't come out of the house. I walk in like I'm Billy Big Deal. And she hands me a paper bag. She said, did you see all of the papers you blew into the neighbor's house, the Mangans, and hands me the bag. So I have to go out in my wow. three-piece Savile Row suit and pick up all the papers on the lawn. I love that. So yeah, it's I great. I love that. I'm How good she with it. Does it. She still looks at you as Sean. Absolutely. So, so let's transition. So you, you go from zero, yeah. where at a point if you sold a million dollars of properties in a year, board of realty would give you a plaque, you sell 200 million in a year. Yeah. Then you transition into starting a business. So it's That's like, right. instead of selling, now let me build it. So Sussex and Riley, get started and you do a million, uh, a billion dollars yeah. of sales yes. per year. How did that transition so, take place? So, 19, so interestingly enough, people here talk about me like I've been around for 100 years and I said, I broke a real estate from 93 to 99. December 99, I was done. I was the most prolific, it sounds conceited obviously, I don't mean, but I was the most prolific broker in the city. Nobody did or has done what I did. And uh, I, End of 99, though, it was a former burnout. I had the two pagers, I had the Gordon Gecko cell phones. I mean, it was intense. I'm like, I can't, I can't, I can get rich doing this. I can never get wealthy. And I need some headspace. So I'm like, I want to do something in the space more creative. So I started Sussex and Raleigh. Interestingly enough, it's going to sound like I had the fastest horse and carriage in the world because it seems dated now. But we were one of the largest users of Blackberries in North America, which was a handheld device, by the way, uh, in largest 2000. Users of Blackberry. One of the largest users of Blackberries corporately in North America in the early 2000s. I gave every one of my agents a Blackberry. And then the other thing I did before I opened, I would run a full page ad every week without the name of my company and just a phone number. And it would say, announcing a bold new vision for real estate. And then I would put in parentheses, I know that sounds like a code of ethics for used car sales. And then the next week it followed up with an ad, I'm about to clean up the face of real estate. And then in parentheses, I would say, but I need to find the guys who handle that whole Exxon Valdez thing. So I ran these for about a month and everyone's like, what's going on? Once who is this? Yeah, once a week, like 10, 20,000 a pop. Sure. You know, it when it was in print media, it was expensive. And I ran them for a month. And then we opened and the buzz was so much and classic. The real estate board wanted to sue me for insulting realtors. <laughs> insulting realtors. <laughs> I'm not going to touch that because I love realtors. <laughs> wow. So what do, you, what do you think made you different though? I mean, you, you, you saw your company, you study people. So what made you different? So we'll go back to the beginning of the conversation. So I came at it as an immigrant from the outside. Okay. So immigrant or outsider, you look at things differently. Mm -hmm. 
So I looked at this business where there's no limit on what you can make, but people have no accountability. You, as a broker, sometimes you stay in bed if you want, and you come in. I approach it like this was the greatest job opportunity I had in my life. I wore a suit every day. I wore a tie every day. I, I behaved like I'd just gotten the job at you know, Goldman Sachs or JP mm -hmm. Morgan. So I approached it with a discipline. I ran it like a business. And subsequently, that became a self-fulfilling prophecy. It became a very good business. So I came at it as a contrarian, which I always have done with everything I've ever done. And invariably, you're wrong sometimes, but when you're right, you're really right. So you only got to be right yeah. big a couple yeah. of times. Like I'm going, I'm going today to visit a friend in the Hamptons, and he's the guy who broke Enron, Jim Chanus. He was the greatest short seller in the world. And you think how long he was wrong till he was right on Enron. Think how long he was wrong in China till he was right. He's short Tesla. You, it's a scary place to be a contrarian because that warm feeling you feel, generally, mm -hmm. you know what that is? Mm -hmm. It's the center of the herd. Yep. So when you're cold and scared, you're probably in front of the herd. You could be behind the herd, but you're not in it. And so him as a short seller, he takes that to a whole nother level. Yeah, that's a, that's a whole different story. It's like the whole, uh, that movie, what was it, Big Short? So he's in it, big Jim Chandis is in it. Oh, so that's his story. He, he's part of the okay, story. He it. was one of the big monster guys who shorted the market. Got it. Yeah, and nobody believed him until it really happened. Yeah. So one, one, one last question before we, you, you yeah. tell us a little bit about data and then we'll wrap up. So you build a company, then you start recruiting real estate agents, right? What did you look for when recruiting agents? So what are you looking for? So that's, what is he looking all right, for? so when I started, Sussex and Raleigh, which was the forerunner to Conlon Realty, which mm -hmm. we are now. Uh, I hired non-brokers. I hired people who had not been in the business. So we were quite famous at the time for building this huge company without brokers because I was an outsider. I was somewhat treated like an outsider, which makes me somewhat of an Orwellian character. I like to be an outsider and maybe to have perceived enemies in my head, just to be honest with you. So I'm like, fine, I'm going to be an outsider. I had people who came from McKinsey and Company, law firms, JP Morgan. I mean, they came from every walk of life. But they were hungry, they were professional, and they were going to behave like real estate investment advisors. That's what I said wow. we are. We are not realtors. You know, in that sense, it's obviously a great brand. We're not brokers. You're real estate investment advisors or you're real estate advisors you're going to be their lifelong advisor in real estate. And that's what I got, and I built a company that grew to a billion dollars in 14 months in sales. A billion was, dollars in 14 months? Yeah, and it was incredibly successful at the time, you know, as far as profitability, too. Got it. So if I wanted to be one of your top guys, what are three things you tell me to focus on? So I would say, firstly, show up on time for our interview. Tell me how hard you'll work. So this is the interview process. Uh, and obviously just genuinely care. To be successful in real estate, I would make it much simpler. There's no magic. My top agents work the most. There's no magic. You tell everybody that you're in the business, you show up on time, you dress smart, you treat it like it's the biggest investment people are ever gonna make. It's not a part-time job, but hard work, there's no magic. And read everything you can about real estate. Educate yourself. Yeah, and read the Wall Street Journal if you can every day, some of it, or the New York Times, or the, just know a little bit about everything that's going on. It's very relevant. Very that good. would be my advice. I like that. 
And then last but not least, the show, Deeds. Yes. Did that come about? And tell us a little bit about it. So the show came about because of serendipity. So when I say I've had luck and some luck and some not, that's true serendipity. Back when I was the assistant janitor, I would have got a bonus if I turned people in who were not on the lease. So there's a fellow in the building called Bob Title, and he wasn't on the lease, so I could have turned him in. And he had a nickname for me, Subtitles, because he said I didn't speak English. <laughs> so I really should have turned him in, but I loved him. And he goes off to try and sell a movie in Los Angeles. He comes back in 94. He tells this story beautifully when he spoke at a college. He comes back in 94 and he's like, he's 10,000 short for making his movie. And he sees a Range Rover coming down the street in 94. He's like, drug dealers had them and rappers maybe. And he's like, it stops who gets out of it, subtitles. He's like, so I'm assuming subtitles has got a really good drug dealing gig going on. And he tells, yeah, in Chicago, he tells me what he's doing. And uh, I'm like, ah, oh, I got this. I take a check out of her and he write a check wow. in the hut of the car, which I did. So he went off and met Barbershop, Men of Honor, Biggie, Tupac. I mean, he met a slew of hits. He married the first native-born prime minister of Bermuda's daughter. Uh, I'm the godfather to the kid. We're best friends to this day. We sit on the beach in my house in Malibu some, some Christmas and we look into each other. We're like, really? And he brought me in to see NBC with him. I was his real estate advisor. And he's like, you guys, you guys should do something. And here we are. And it's really cool because it's, it's what I have done anyway. So it's very real. I lend my own you money. show the difficulties yeah, of it. Yeah. yeah. There are difficulties. What we probably didn't emphasize enough is the, we've done all those deals now. And they've worked. And the people have gotten their money out and stuff like that. And I've gotten paid back. It's actually a great process, and it's really exciting. And the end, but we didn't get to show, like a lot of these people are ecstatic. They've done it, and they're going to do it for a living. So it's great. It's a real. The Deed Chicago is a real, real show, and, and it's very different. That did it with somebody that's right. an experience, yeah. not an actor. Yeah. This is somebody that. Went and there's no script. Through. Yeah, there's no script. And the things I tell them, it's not because I've read it. I've met all these mistakes. I've had these things happen to me. That's great. So that's what I like about that show. Well, well listen, this has been a pleasure. I mean, Thank you. Like very, us. very interesting guy. So uh, Conor McGregor versus Mayweather, what do you think? <laughs> do you think he stands a chance? Like, so actually uh, let me tell you something. Two of the greatest businessmen ever. Yeah. I, I don't care who loses, right? I take that fight because, okay, he knocks me out in the first minute, second. Bucks. Right? Yeah. So it's a fascinating thing because of their age differential and McGregor psychologically is a, you know, a street fighter who, a fantastic story by the way, fantastic Irish story, came from a really poor place. For all the showmanship, he's a real pro. Mayweather though is probably an artist, right? I mean, this is something, like he's a, yeah, he's an, I mean, he's, you know, he's psychologically, he knows how to play defense, but it'll be an amazing one. I can't call it. I'm not going to call it. You're but not going to call no. it. Okay. But I'm up for McGregor, obviously. So I'm, I'm, I'm hoping for a shocking uh, uh, ending with McGregor getting a left one in there. But we'll see what's going to happen. The well, other guys I'm not going to call it. Yeah, but I'm obviously up for McGregor, of course. Yeah. And it's wonderful. I didn't mean to discount his outfits. He dresses like the most wonderful squire ever in his suits. I don't know if you've yeah, seen yeah, him. But he, yeah, he puts on a show. It, He's definitely a show. He's a brilliant showman. He is. Yeah. Both of them. Yeah. Are. They're both, both yeah. So.
I like it. Yeah. It's well, an American. Hey, man. Thank you so much. Thank for you. Your time. Lovely really, to meet really you. And thank you. Very honored to be on your show. So thanks a lot. Yeah. And so you can go look him up and study. He's got a real good story. But thank you for your time, Sean. Thank you very much. Thanks, everybody, for listening. And by the way, if you haven't already subscribed to Valuetainment on iTunes, please do so. Give us a five star. Write a review if you haven't already. And if you have any questions for me that you may have, you can always find me on Snapchat, Instagram, Facebook, or YouTube. Just search my name, Patrick David and I actually do respond back when you snap me or send me a message on Instagram with that being said have a great day today take care everybody bye bye